support for Around with Stephen Cole comes from Infinium Spirits, a family-owned spirits company specializing in the import, sales, and marketing of its distinctive portfolio of brands. Infinium Spirits, igniting brands. Welcome back, faithful listeners. I'm Stevie Mata. I'm T. Cole Newton. And coming to you pre-recorded for my Mid-City Bar 12-Mile Limit, it's time for Around with Steve and Cole. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Around with Stephen Cole. This is T. Cole Newton coming to you from 12 Mile Limit. I am here as ever with Mr. Steve Yamada. Say hey, Steve. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Around with Stephen Cole. Great to have you here. We're in the midst of Mardi Gras season. Now, let's clarify here because a lot of people are going to like try and uh, argue our semantics on this one. Here in New Orleans, Mardi Gras is not a single day. It's not the two weeks of parade that happens around Mardi Gras. We have an entire season of Mardi Gras. You want to expound upon that a little bit, Cole? Yeah, Mardi Gras season starts at Twelfth Night. It's the end of Christmas and goes until Mardi Gras Day, which is 40 days before Easter. Easter is determined by a lunar calendar because... Paganism. Yeah, because pagans. (laughs) Um, And it can float around quite a bit. So Mardi Gras season can last anywhere from about a a month this year. It's a little bit over a month. This is one of the earlier Mardi Gras we're going to get. It's uh, February 13th this year. And it can be as as much as a month later than that. It can be almost two months. Um, But it it lasts. It can drag out. This one's early. I kind of like getting it out of the way. You know, it feels... Mm. If you have Twelfth Night and then like a month and a half before it really ramps up, it can start to feel like it's not Mardi Gras season. But this one is like you get holiday season in New Orleans. It starts on Halloween and then goes all the way through Mardi Gras. So it's kind of nice when it when it's all kind of densely packed. Otherwise, people get a little wayward out there. Yeah, definitely. Well, anyways, on this show, we wanted to talk about there's so many facets that really make up Mardi Gras when it comes down to it. There's so many little things. And if you live down here, you get involved. Like, I haven't gotten to the point yet, and I don't think I ever will get to the point where I'm like, I just want to get out of town for Mardi Gras. And I, I, I like celebrating at least portions of Mardi Gras. It's one of the reasons why I enjoy living down here in New Orleans. So we're going to have a couple guests on this show today to kind of talk about different experiences and different things. Things that happen uh, during Mardi Gras. Uh, that's a great time to talk about our first guest. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, sir? Hello, my name is Andre Boren, and uh, I'm a musician and uh, a dancer around town. <laughs> yeah, oh man, <laughs> full time uh, musician uh, dancing with a Mardi Gras dance troupe. Uh, well, let's let's talk about the full time musician. You, right. Are you are you one of those elusive? Paid musicians <laughs> who who's, who's primary whose only source of income is music. I am, I am, and that's um. We got one. It, it's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everyone's got a side hustle. You, you got know, it's, around it's here. definitely um. It's definitely a lot of work keeping that going. You know, and some some months, some weeks are better than other weeks. You know, but um, but it's definitely something that that I've I've worked on. I haven't had to paint a house in in several years. You know, mm-hmm. but I, I do have a friend who should I ever need to paint a house. To make a few extra bucks, he's always got work for me. So well, that's good to have that. That safety yeah, net, yeah, I guess. yeah, definitely. All right, let's run down some of the projects. Uh, let's uh, you your main hustle band, I guess, would be Johnny Sketch and the Dirty Notes. Yeah, they are a band at this point that your band is itself old enough to drink at this point, right? Oh well. Not legally, but we just turned 16 and a half. 16? So oh, okay. We're so definitely partying. By New Orleans standards. We're old enough to wreck a car legally, for <laughs> you could, sure. I could get into tux back in the day. Yeah. Jesus. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
yes. old enough to wreck a car legally. Is that? Uh, <laughs> yeah, sure. All yeah, right. Johnny Sketch. Johnny Sketch started sixteen and a half years ago. Hmm. And um, how many albums? We have seven albums. We just put out our seventh album. So that's basically every other year for the last sixteen. Yeah, years. yeah. It's it's sometimes it takes a little while between records, but but then we put out a couple of them at a time. <laughs> All right. Gotta know, say as well, that kind of longevity for a New Orleans based band is really impressive. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, I I attribute it to the fact that we've never really made a lot of money, so there's no there's no real financial stuff to bicker over you know so we're still we're still able to be pretty good friends and uh and the, i mean the, the music is 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 you know we've, we've got a we definitely have a, a thing that we do and and it's it's original funk rock music and it's a blast you know we've been doing it for a long time and um it's a lot it's a really good live show so like we know we all know where we're going musically live and and we've got pockets of rabid fans mm-hmm. if you will and uh, where where's some of your where are some i know well, my wife is among your greater fans yeah yeah uh she's since high school she's been a big fan <laughs> um and what are where where does some when you guys tour where do you guys draw big crowds bay area you guys i feel we like do, you guys yeah, are out we go, there we go out to california we do well in, in california um florida uh new york city hasn't really worked but new jersey has nice okay um do you have any idea why some of these things stick, some of them don't? You know, I think I think in 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 like the big markets, like like New York City, there's just so much going on, and it, even if you have a really great show there, the next night there's 15 other great shows or 20 other great shows going on, so people just don't don't remember it, you know. Yeah, uh, fair. If enough. you play in like a small town in New Jersey where nothing is going on, then you're the you could you're become the hot, that town's biggest yeah, for, band. for like for like. A year, you know, they're still talking about us in Thermopolis, Wyoming. You know, <laughs> this one time, this musical band from New yeah. Orleans came to visit. <laughs> yeah, oh, did I mean, you actually so play Thermopolis, Wyoming? We did. We did. It was yeah. a, then it was a big show. People did. Yeah, it. it was part of a concert series in the in the in the Hot Springs Park, and huh. uh, a whole bunch of folks came out. And Thermopolis sounds kind of rad. Thermopolis, yeah, series. That's a great name hot for a springs. town built around hot springs. Thermopolis too. is the world's largest natural mineral hot springs. Cool. It's in the middle of its road a, trip. It's a town of two thousand people in the middle of Wyoming. It's awesome. It's Sounds pretty red. Yeah. No, I'm only cool. half joking about a road trip. This out. And they've got an awesome dinosaur museum there. Ooh. Because Wyoming. Ooh. You're speaking Cole's language. Yeah. Right now. Dinos- dinosaurs and hot springs. Yeah. <laughs> why not? Yeah, yeah. I'll throw yeah, not? R- wrap it all up. <laughs> now, uh, sixteen years is really an interesting time as well. Uh, because that's really like you know right before Katrina, after Katrina as well. Yep. So it's it's that's actually the exact amount of time I've pretty much been down in New Orleans. Probably catching your band, maybe not super legally, <laughs> like sneaking into a bar <laughs> when I was going to college. Might have been one of the probably one of the first shows that I I saw in New Orleans, and also probably one of my great like motivations for getting out of the Tulane bubble, which yeah. was a big thing. Um, so thank you for that. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about how has um, the music and uh, the music scene kind of changed since Katrina, just a little bit. I mean, uh, that's a um, long conversation, but you know, I think that I think that there's you know one thing that that I've always said is that New Orleans really loves New Orleans. So, what I mean by that is is that New Orleans has such a strong music musical identity as far as the the you know the rock and roll was like the original rock and roll stuff. Fats Domino and and uh, Little Richard were recorded here. Mm-hmm. With New Orleans musicians that created that sound, and uh, and and then and then going on to like people like the Meters, which is which is one of the founding funk bands. New Orleans 
has a lot of they've always had a lot of funk and r&b stuff that is kind of self-referential you know it, it goes back to new orleans and people love that new orleans love that and uh, I, I feel like there's a there's after katrina with more folks from out of town moving into new orleans it's kind of diversified the the scene a little bit to where now there's more than just like uh like a really strong funk scene or jam band kind of scene or, or whatever. Now there's, there's a really strong indie, indie rock music scene with bands like sweet crude and, mm-hmm. and then <clears throat> friends of the show. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> they're my favorite band in town. Yeah, they're great. Um, I, and, and I think that, I think the, um, you know, the scene like places down, like, like on Frenchman street used to be, really where where it was there was such a creative out outlet mm-hmm. for for bands on frenchman street and now it's just like it's it's gone That's almost entirely you so know? funny because that was actually the next question i was going to ask you it's uh, amazing how quickly that turned over yeah our uh the hypothesis i believe that we've uh we've put out on this show is that it's kind of all of our fault that Frenchman is where Frenchman Absolutely. is right now. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Everyone told everyone you're going to go kept to Frenchman. sending people right, down but, to Frenchman Street. But then, and... it's, but then it's also, you know, there's there's more clubs that open up. And even that, that first block of Frenchman, I think, is 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 massively different than the second block of Frenchman. Because mm-hmm. there's, there's more clubs, there's free clubs, you know, bars that don't have a cover charge to go hear okay bands. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the second block, you've got DBA, which always charges a cover charge. Yep. And Snug Harbor, which always charges a cover charge, and 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 that that makes a big difference. You know, it kind of weeds out the the people that are there to see music and the people yeah. that are just there to get hammered. Okay, it, Johnny Sketch is the main hustle. It's a sophomore in high school age band, right? Um, the probably the number two in terms of visibility would be Johnny's not Johnny, uh, Rory Danger and the Danger Dangers. Um, how many people are in both? Um, Two, sometimes three. Okay. Uh, do you want to talk about Rory Danger? Is more, I guess, psycho Billy. If they, yeah, if, but very theatrical. You like know, all, started, all the performances have some sort of uh, it really theater. St- yeah, it started as a as a straight up rockabilly band. You know, we wanted to do like Wanda Jackson songs and mm. rowdy rowdy old rockabilly stuff, and then. And then I don't even remember where it turned, but it was like, it was like <laughs> it started. We started having like themes for the shows, and and <laughs> and uh, you know we presented one one year we one one show we presented uh, it's a dangerous life, and we did the, the it's a wonderful <laughs> life thing uh-huh. where uh, Rory Danger we kept we as a band we kept pissing her off throughout the show, <laughs> and halfway through the show she just proclaimed like. I wish I'd never started this band, you know, and, 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 uh, we had people come up and, and, you know, give the, the flashback to what would have happened if she hadn't come in and saved this, this shitty band that was playing at a, the one th- it's, there, I it's remember just ridiculous. I mean, yeah. Election night in Dangeria was oh, yeah. a good one. The yeah, one yeah. that I, that's, that hits me that I was like, I, that got me was the, and my, Lily and I, my wife and I go to a lot of Roy Danger and the Danger shows. It's one of the, one of the bands that, like, if it's coming out, we see a couple weeks out, it's like, let's check the calendar. We gotta see if we can make this happen. Like, yeah. and we've, I've probably seen it, you've seen y'all, you're you in that band more than almost any other New Orleans band at this point, <laughs> just cause it's, it's always different, it's always fun. And the one that, that I was a little, that I, yeah, that the premise was, that Rory Danger, who is, uh, Aurora Nealand, she mostly does sort of traditional jazz vocals, 
uh, and saxophone and clarinet. She's... She does all sorts of stuff, but she is she well, is Rory Danger in this world. It gives her a chance to really cut loose. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they they announced that uh, that Rory would be was, had quit the band, I think, or had died. Well, was that the premise for the that premise, one? The premise for that or was they, we played uh, the Bayou Boogaloo Festival on okay. the Bayou, uh-huh. and. The, pre- this, the so the one that you're talking about was part two, okay, of, of, a, of a like a six month series, if you will. <laughs> that was two episodes dragged out over six months. Um, part one was she rocked herself to death, okay, <laughs> on the first song of our Bayou Boogaloo set, and then was refused passage over the River Styx, which is what we had deemed the uh, Bayou, the Bayou, because we were right there. <laughs> and so the rest of the the rest of the um. The rest of that show was a crowdfunding to raise enough money so she could pay Karen, <laughs> the boat, the boat driver, <laughs> to and to and so we we pulled it off. At the end of the show, she walked over and handed our uh, uh, Karen our, uh, a suitcase full of cash, and they got in a in a canoe and crossed the river, and she walked off into the neighborhood, and that was the last anybody saw of Rory Danger. Until, so the next show, yeah. <laughs> we had a show. I, had, I was unaware of this show having it, happened. It was, it was I just see an funny. announcement that says Rory Danger has died. We will be un- we will we be auditioning for a new Rory Danger. Yeah, so we held open auditions <laughs> at a and, show uh, at a show <laughs> on a Saturday night at One on Jacks, and um, it people were very confused. <laughs> <laughs> I still I still get people asking if if Rory Danger is a band because that was like because of the marketing for that one show uh-huh. like two years ago, you know, a year and a half ago. Um, <laughs> and yeah so we we had a whole bunch we had a mime audition we had uh we had like three or four people audition and then we found a new rory mm-hmm. and as soon as we found a new rory uh just, he signed the paperwork evan spiegelman was the new rory and uh he signed the paperwork and there was a thunderclap and everything went dark and rory came from the balcony with, <laughs> you know it was it was, it was yeah. ridiculous oh. It's the band. It's it's the band that I I wish that I wasn't in, so I could go to the shows. You know, <laughs> I feel like that's the the sign of a good project. Is it's like, oh so man, I wish I could see this. It's so much fun, and and everybody else, everybody in the band is so busy that we don't play that often. Mm-hmm. And Rory um, doesn't even live here anymore, right? She's, she's up in New York still. Oh, good. Oh. She's in New York right now, but she's she's moving back. So actually, we have a show uh, the Sunday of Mardi Gras. Nice at um at uh, Siberia. Awesome. And it's really cool. It's a win-win, and it, it, I, I really enjoy doing that. Cool. Right on. So um, let's kind of go in another direction as well. So we've <laughs> talked about plenty of music, I think. Uh, and you're a multifaceted, extremely talented individual who also is a dancer. Could you I, uh, go into that a little bit? Well, so I, uh, several years ago, I was uh, the Saints had just gone to the gone to the uh, they just gone to the made it to the super bowl they hadn't played the super bowl yet but they made it to the super bowl and there was the buddy d parade who uh buddy d was the the old longtime saints announcer who before he passed away he he said he made a promise that if when if the saints went to the super bowl he would wear a dress all day mm-hmm. so uh so there was a buddy d parade and everybody was wearing dresses and just to, and it was rowdy and you know saints were in the super bowl it was like wow which is also the Super Bowl is always in the thick of Mardi Gras season. Yeah, yeah, too, absolutely. So that always helps. Absolutely. So yeah, everybody's already like in full on party mode, and I was down in down in the quarter watching this parade of ridiculousness go by, and 
then this this group of guys, the six ten stompers, came by and they're wearing green, like little short blue coaches shorts, tube socks, gold gold shoes, and red satin jackets, and <laughs> and they're it's just ridiculous and amazing. And uh, I knew several of them, and I was like, I need to be part of this. So I auditioned a couple years later, and I made it in. And uh, you know, I, I I do a lot of fun things with all the musical stuff that I do, but this is this is the most fun thing that I do. It's absolutely hilarious and a riot to be part of this all male dance troupe that's custom built for. Just partying and having a great time. I mean, you it's, guys it's, party? No. The slogan. The slogan is the, the motto is ordinary men, extraordinary moves, <laughs> and it it encompasses that so well. I mean, there's 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 uh, a whole bunch of lawyers, there's, you know, musicians. There's a uh, doctors. There's there's uh, God. I mean, there's an electrician. There's all walks of life in this, and all shapes and sizes. There's a lot of <laughs> teachers. There's a lot of. Uh, I know at least one liquor rep who's in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Liquor rep. There's a guy that does virtual reality gaming systems. There's, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's like there's two, there's actually two drummers. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and and uh, and the you know nobody nobody takes nobody takes themselves very seriously, but everybody takes the dances very seriously. So mm-hmm. so it, it makes for a really good combination. You yeah. know. I think that's a really interesting point that a lot of people might make an assumption. Like, they see the 610 Stompers come out, and uh, one of the things that's really interesting for those not super familiar with Mardi Gras is that uh, you, you probably know that there's floats that go by. You know, you know there's floats, and there's people on the floats, and they throw out beads while you're sitting at these parades. But in between the floats, there's a lot of other stuff that happens. You know, there's a lot of high school marching bands will play, other marching bands as well. Uh, there's various dance troops like the 610 Stompers. There's uh, the Pussyfooters, the Pussyfooters, Cosmonauties, Organ Grinders. There's, there's a million. Of them. I mean, the, 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 the Cherry Bombs. The Stompers the, were were started because Lady this group of guys were were like, why why are there no guy dance mm-hmm. troops in in Mardi Gras parades? There's there's a there's a ton of girl dance troops, and they wanted to get in on it, um, and encourage men that it's okay to yeah. dance, you know, and and that was sort of the 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 impetus of it of it, and. Uh, and now it's like they're nine. We just got our ninth class of guys in it. You know, yeah. there's auditions That's every awesome. year, <laughs> which are one of the funniest things I've ever yeah. seen. And uh, yeah, it's almost a decade old, and it's it's like it's a thing. Yeah, like it's a it's it's a we've done the Macy's Parade twice in mm-hmm. New York, and we yeah. it's a nonprofit, so so we do big events and, and raise tons of money for various charities and uh, organizations, and it's 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 just a really good group of guys yeah. doing good things and having a blast doing it. Nice. You know? And it's it's work, too. I mean, I think that's the the big thing as well. Like, anybody can look at the 610 Stompers, do their thing, and they're like, I could do that. But yeah. um, why don't you go into that a little bit as well? Like, I, I've known a couple people who've gone through the audition process, yeah. and it's not all, like, ponies and rainbows. It's, no, no, no. It's not an easy process. <laughs> well, the, the auditions, you know, as much as anything, the auditions are to make sure that that you're you're – you're a cool guy, you know, like, like nailing, <laughs> a cool nailing, guy audition. nailing the, nailing the dance is certainly part of it. But so like for the auditions, we teach, they, they teach you a dance you have all day to work on it. When you feel like you're ready, you go and sign up and you go do it. You go into the audition room, which this, the last couple of years it's been at Harris. Mm. 
And so you go into the audition room and you're on stage by yourself in front of a panel of judges, stomper judges. And there's like, it's set up American Idol style where there's like, <laughs> there's like the Paula judge who just loves everything you do. And then there's the Simon judge who's just a dick, you know, <laughs> and he just rips you to shreds. And, uh, it's, but, but, you know, good natured. I mean, it's, it's all in good fun. And then there's also, you can pay, I think it's 10 bucks to get, to get in as a spectator. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's like a couple hundred drunken, uh, drunken people hooting and hollering at you and heckling you and this panel of judges. And, uh, and you have to dance this dance that you've been working on all day by yourself. And, and most people, like most of the people forget it immediately. <laughs> like they get the first move and then they just blank, you know, it's the pressure of being on stage. You know? Right. And, uh, and then, and then there's like callbacks and, you know, I mean, it's a whole process. <laughs> it's a two weekend thing. And, and how many people auditioned last year? Uh, I think 140. How many people are in the troupe? About that many now. 130, I think, are total. But but each year we take 10 to 12 people. Wow. Do, do people so, does it? So does the troupe get bigger every year, or do people a little resign? Bit, a little bit. There's just... definitely people that 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 you know life changes and they move on or whatever. You know they. Mm. Um, and the organization has definitely changed over the years, but it's it's the 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 goal of getting people to dance and and shake it is still the same, and it's. What are uh, how many parades do you guys do during Mardi Gras? Uh, let's see. I think we're doing six. That's a lot of f- five. That's a lot of this stomping. year. This year we're doing Zulu. Really? Wow! Yeah, I invited to do what Zulu, an honor. So that's, that's an early morning. Yeah, I mean, I would you know on Mardi Gras too. Yeah, that's got Mardi Gras morning up your day to a certain extent. Well, yeah, I'll get it out of the way first, my, right? Yeah, yeah, downtown. Yeah. My look okay, on Mardi, already, my, my view, my view on Mardi Gras is, is that is that. It's going to happen again next year. You know? <laughs> That's a good, good point. It, and, and so, like, last year I played – I spent Mardi Gras Day in Cheyenne, Wyoming, because I was playing a piano concert at a, at a house because mm-hmm. huh. I got hired to go do that. You know? like, <laughs> got all the Wyoming connections, huh? Yeah. I went to high school in Wyoming. <laughs> okay. Um, but, but the uh, – the, yeah, I mean, Mardi Gras, it wasn't my ideal place to spend Mardi Gras Day, but, you know – I've spent a lot of Mardi Gras days here, and, and mm-hmm. I will spend continue to spend a lot of Mardi Gras days here. Right? What do people just go crazy for the Stompers? I feel like they're they're one of those yeah. groups that like when people see in a parade, they don't know they're going to be in that parade. They're just like, oh my god, it's the Six and Stompers! Yeah. I need to follow these guys for like a mile. Absolutely, it's What's, people it's, just go bonkers for you guys. It's crazy. It's it really is crazy, and and especially like you know, on some level, I've I've been searching for a rock stardom. My whole career, you know, like it's my career choice. Like I want to get, you know, whatever. And 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 I've never been closer to being a full blown rock star than wearing short coaches shorts and a red satin it's, that jacket. red jacket. Man, it's it's, it's powerful. It's I remember powerful. one of my one of our mutual friends who's also a stomper. He uh, would Airbnb half of his house back when oh, yeah. it was legal to do that in the quarter. Yeah, and somebody somebody, bar- somebody yeah. took his jacket, raided his closet, and bar. Yeah, it got cold, so it was like and, I didn't bring weather. Yeah, he, what happened? That, there was some fallout so he, from that. What, he, did he get he went, like he put went in to stopper friend, jail? He went. Well, I don't know if if he no he didn't, but the guy the, the way he got busted is that the guy. Took the wore his stomper jacket and wore it to Frenchman Street, mm-hmm. and the uh, the other drummer besides myself that's in the Stompers, he, the, this guy wandered into his gig, hmm. and this drum you know this drummer went up to him at the set break and called him out and was like, "Where'd you get that jacket? Who the fuck are you?" <laughs> <laughs> and the guys the guys the guys friends were all like, "Hey man, you know." We all <laughs> up. But, uh, 
Uh, <laughs> and then 140 guys with yeah, mustaches yeah, yeah. and, right. and short shorts come <laughs> up here. <laughs> to dance off. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I think he just, you know, yeah, there's there's not, there's, there's, there are there are a lot of rules with the six cent stompers, but every now and then people need to be reminded that it's an all male dance troupe and just leave that shit at the door. You know, like yeah. it's it's, ridi- it's so ridiculous That's great. at its at its core. Like you can't take anything about it like that seriously. You know, right on. So um, I, I think it's important since we're talking about Mardi Gras stuff. Um, I think everybody's got routines or traditions or things that they really in, you know that that is their Mardi Gras thing for for yeah. years for me, and it's gotten too big. Uh, Muses was always the parade that I really wanted to go to, and I always kind of thought that, like, you know, if I was going to have a good year, because Mardi Gras is always close to the beginning of the year, if I was going to have a good year, I had to catch a shoe. And, right. like, <laughs> I think for the first, like, six or seven years, I always caught a shoe at Muses. You know, I went all out, had costumes and everything like that. Uh, that that has gone by the wayside recently. It's just, it, it's a crazy parade now. It's gotten so big. It's a great parade. It's just, yeah. it's just really, really big. It's just like, I don't need Are you guys in Muses? To, to We're not. You know, we, we did, we did the first, the first, Maybe two or three years I was in the Stompers. We did Muses, and then uh, and then we moved to Nick's. Mm. They can't do both. Uh, well, Muses stopped asking us. So oh, fair enough. Yeah, so you can't. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they would they would be mad. Yeah, the, oh. there there were a bunch of Stompers who were like, "Why aren't we doing Muses?" Like they didn't ask us. Like, Mardi Gras that's, drama. That's like, yeah, yeah, Mardi Gras drama. So, uh, what traditions do you guys have for Mardi Gras? What are what are things that like you know over the years or things that you kind of keep to at this point that are like you know, hey, this is something that I do on this day during Mardi Gras or at this parade or you know things that you do during Mardi Gras. Well, I I love I love Toth. Mm. Sunday morning, uh, it's 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 such a long parade, but it's also one of the biggest like family. I feel like that's one of the biggest family parades where you see just a ton of families out there, and and it's it's awesome. Like all the way through the route, it's because I think because it's there's it's it's far and away the, the longest, the most floats. You mm-hmm. know, and the way they get away with it is they they have lettered floats before they have numbered floats. So. <laughs> You're only allowed to have 30 numbered floats, you know, but, <laughs> but they have like letters A through Q as well. You know, so there's, there's a, just a ton of floats. And so everybody knows somebody that's riding on this parade. Yeah. So, that, so everybody's family comes out and lines the routes and the stompers do that one too. And it breaks down a lot because there's so many floats. And when the, when the parade breaks down, the stompers throw a street dance party and we just like bring everybody in and right we, on. we party in the street with the crowd. And, and, and that happens three or four times every year mm-hmm. during Toth. And that's one of my favorite parts about Mardi Gras is mm. these dance parties with the neighborhood, you yeah. know, with, with, the, with the people. It's awesome. It's so much fun. Let's see. I, I do security for one of the Crew de Vue subcrews. So that's always mm-hmm. a highlight. The Crew de Vue is one of the big, like the, one of the, the first sort of big parade of the Mardi Gras season. Yeah. And so, it, which is interesting because I, I always do the, the, what I, the point. So I'm, I'm the, in front of the float, but it's, it's usually small floats. It's not, they're all mule drawn. And so people don't really see the float until it's very close. And, and so it feels a lot like I'm walking down the street and then people point right at me and they're pointing through me, but it feels like they're pointing right at me and, and they cheering. just yell, they yell, they just <laughs> go ape shit for whatever is behind me. <laughs> um, and last year it was a gaping prolapsed asshole on a cat. So people would just like walking down the street and then like every 20 feet people just point at me and like say, look at that asshole. <laughs> 
Um, that was, that's always fun. Crudevoo is hilarious too, because yeah. uh, especially last year with the political climate involved as well. And as I mean, most yeah, it was of like fourteen that, out of seventeen that were Donald Trump. Yeah, floats a lot year. of Trump floats. <laughs> yeah. But um, it's also a time, and the, the region that we're in as well. I mean, we are a super blue dot in a red sea. Uh, mm. So people bring their families or they're on vacation, just happen to be in New Orleans, and they're like, "We heard there's the Mardi Gras right <laughs> yeah. now. Let us take the children to the Mardi Gras." And that's they show up at so Crudevoo, and it's just like. It's just like penises and yeah. Like. It's amazing that it's that it that Crudevoo is allowed in, in the streets. And I mean, it's it's a it's just amazing. You know, yeah. It's yeah. Like, it it does it is it speaks very much to the. It's, it's a it's a parade where like you can bring your, you can bring your kids to a certain point, and then there's like 15 <laughs> years that you probably should leave the kids at home. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but you you brought up something when you were talking about uh, marching in Toth uh, that the floats break down quite a bit. Yeah. And. They're cracking down this year, yeah. and they're saying we don't want as many marching crews or bands because it slows things down. Right. Really? I was like, yeah. yeah, yeah. So there, I mean, and there are. I do think that there's a bit of sort of diminishing. Like everyone's in a marching. Like there's just so many, there's and a lot they, of them. they really like a lot of them. Yeah, but and their some reasoning of, some is of them are their reasoning is their reasoning is ass backwards. Bad. I've, floats break down all the time. It's the tractors yeah. break down or something on the, like, the axle goes. And it's like, it's never something that's on the ground that breaks down. No. I've never seen a band that just couldn't keep going or no. a marching group. I've like, seen, I've seen, uh, Johnny Sketch used to, used to ride, we used to be the entertainment for the, uh, the bearded oysters in music oh, for cool. a few years. We did that. And I've seen them, the bearded oysters stop functioning because they were collectively too drunk. <laughs> <laughs> but they got put on probation the next year. They were like, you guys, you guys, if you're gonna do this, you're sober the whole time. Ooh. They got they got checked big time, but but that, yeah, that's that's the only and and that they weren't they still weren't slowing anything down. You know, they were just they were just a mess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what I mean, I feel like the city does this a lot. I feel like it's kind of the same way with the uh, with the security plan is that they want to they want to build out this surveillance network right um by putting cameras on the bars are but like it's a it's not yeah very questionable yeah it's, but it's not about what they're saying it's about it's about right. this other thing it's like, or like, like uh, the strip club raids right now on Bourbon yeah Street strip club yeah it's stupid that, because it's like the human trafficking thing it's just like i feel I mean, like not yeah, happening. it's great if you really were yeah, tracking none on them they're raiding these clubs to to crack down on human trafficking finding no examples of human trafficking and then closing them down for these like petty offenses right. because yeah. they because right. it's a culture thing as much as anything else right well i think i think Mardi Gras rules are rarely enforced. You know, like the new Mardi Gras rules. I, I know that this these might be different because of because it's parades. It's like the, the the logistics and the parades. But like they always every year they have ladders are only allowed so close, and there's mm. no there's no, no grills allowed on yeah. the on the mm. on the neutral ground. Or like, you're not allowed to put a tarp like, down in advance or something oh, like yeah, that. The that Indian stuff. Oh, Indian stuff is ridiculous. I, I live two blocks Indian. from the Indian route, and I it's mean, like you think I, I love, we all live in Mid City, right? I, I mean, love we love Indian. I hate Indian. It's mostly I, just because of the Pregors. It's a great parade yeah. when it's when you're in the middle of it. It's fine, but that territorialism, yeah, like, yeah territorialism, like, is like nonsense. There's also a bit because it's the Mid City parade. A lot of people, I feel like, from Metairie and from Metairie and and point, but all points sort of west of the city like the, uh, that's it's, they there are people who are afraid to come into new orleans for whatever reason they're like okay i'll just come into mid city it's right. the one parade i'll go to because it's, but then i'm just gonna go home but it's that those people you right. know the people who like, i can't people. i can't go all the way into the french quarter i'll see nipples yeah i went well, to a crew to one time I was, <laughs> yeah. I never make that mistake again i was when i was living in the in the quarter i, I walked over to canal at rampart to watch endymion and 
it was it was awesome. It mm-hmm. was there were, the crowds were thin. It was a bunch of families out. It was like it was the op- complete opposite of yeah. the, the madness at Orleans and Carrollton. Yeah. You know, yeah, I like uh, catching I like catching parades on canal, like right there where yeah. they do like the turnaround and everything like that. Like there's elbow room, and it's it's a different experience. And like I lived uptown for years, so most of the parades I ever went to were uptown around like. Uh, Napoleon is yeah. usually where I catch parades at, um, and it's it's really interesting. It's really interesting, and what I love about Mardi Gras because you know a lot of people just have the idea that's just you know girls flashing, catching no, beads. No, there's and all so many stuff. different just, ways to do Mardi Gras. Yeah, they just there's so it's many different ways. Very family friendly, like especially if you want it, it can be, be very there's... family friendly. It can not be family friendly. Yeah, absolutely. It can be you know a lot of yeah, a lot of cool one wildly of my, debaucherous. One of my favorite things is to watch nights. kids like chase after a doubloon that's rolling you know yeah. <laughs> and they know not to reach for it you got to step on it yeah or, you know if you reach for it your hand's gonna get crushed i always like seeing like kids who have grown up down here who like are correcting like tourists as yeah. well it's like yeah. you know you'll see like like some tourists going down and picking up like ground beads it's like you don't pick up ground beads yeah. you no, catch no. beads you don't pick stuff up there's, off there's the ground right more. But i feel like more. that i've heard that described that mardi gras mentality of once it hits the ground it's just dead and somebody yes, else dead. will pick it up yeah. Th- that's why people litter around here so recklessly is that <laughs> attitude for like two weeks out of the year. It's like, I touched the ground. I want to deal with it. Somebody else will come back. (laughs) That makes sense. There's a lot of litter. (laughs) Yeah. The the refuse at the end of Mardi Gras is, that's how they measure this. How many people were at Mardi Gras? How much, how many tons of garbage the city picks up at the end of it? There's a, yeah, I can see that being like really the only way you can gauge that. Yeah. Yeah. But I also feel like we're complicit in this kind of terrible system in a way. Like all these trash beads that are made in China that are probably have all these toxic substances, and then we just throw them into the gutter. Yeah. Have you ever ridden in a, on a on a float in a crew before? No, no, I haven't. It's such a weird experience. I rode in Druids one year with my brother, and uh, it's that's that was before Nix was around. So Druids was really it Druids was Druids was the Wednesday and, night, and I forget the other parade. I, uh, Hermes? Is it Detar? Hermes? No, it's Hermes definitely Hermes and Detar Friday. Friday. Yeah. I can't remember what the other crew is, but there's another crew that wrote. The crew rolls. of ancient druids. <laughs> yeah. Ugh, those guys. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I was in that crew once. So it was weird. Uh, but, like, we, we went Mardi Gras bead shopping. So we went to Beads by the Dozen uh, out in, like, towards Harahan, like, off at the end of Jeff Highway. And it's, like, crazy when you're riding. You're like, oh, this, this was it was funny because, like, you know, I was sober when I was making this decision. So me and my brother, like, picked up all these, like, special, like, you know, things that we we're going to throw to our friends. It's like, oh, we're going to keep these stuffed animals or these specific, like, we had dice uh these like the, these big like things of dice that we're gonna like throw to our friends and be like hey we got these dice beads for you that were really expensive and i got really drunk the day of and the minute i saw one person i knew you on the parade line <laughs> i just went <laughs> just like just like bead just falling off the one thing i didn't realize uh during load in I, I didn't make it to the load in my, my brother was there and he was telling me it's like all right so they've got a couple regulations for like safety precautions while you're on the float like the, you have this rope that you have a to harness. tie around your mm-hmm. waist. Yeah, it's just, uh, for us, it wasn't even a harness. It was just like a rope tied to like uh, a hook on the back. And it's like, you have to wear this thing. So when I'm getting on this prey, on this float, and I'm pretty drunk at this point, I look at this rope, I'm like, this is dumb. I'm not even going to use this. It's like, yeah, you should use this thing. And I realized, like, 90% of that parade, I was hanging off the side of that float by this, like, harness the entire time. <laughs> like, that was my lifeline for me, like, just dying. Like, like, that thing was, like, the thing that, like, kept me from cracking my head on the street. All right. Uh, well, we I think we've got some uh, some some good conversation about Mardi Gras. What's something you're look either a, a gig that you're looking forward to or a parade you're looking forward to this year specifically, Andre? Uh, I'm definitely looking forward to 
playing with Rory Danger and the Danger Dangers. When's the last time you played together? How long has it been since the... Uh, last last show we did was th- uh, last summer, at the end of July. We played That's Tip- a long hiatus. We played Tipitina's for their free Friday show. We did Christmas in July. <laughs> Ooh. And, uh, and uh, yeah, and then, and then Rory Danger went off, disappeared into uh, La La Land in oh. New York. And sh- but she's coming back, so... That's, that's we're, put, we're putting the band back together. <laughs> and... Uh, uh, yeah, so that that show. What, what, know, when is that one? That's on um, uh, Sunday, the eleventh, I believe it's Sunday, right? That and sounds, that sounds at? plausible. At uh, Siberia. Awesome. That's nice. right. Steve, yeah, anything specific Siberia. you're looking forward to? Ah, uh, man, it was weird. Last year, I uh, uh, I'm off Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Mardi Gras. It's great. Um, I'm hopefully working in Dimian here at Twelve Mile. And uh, yes. Nice. That, that's that Endymion at twelve mile limit is our. It's all hands, hands on deck. I, it's one of the the only day of the year yeah. where I'm like every staff member needs to be present unless you're out of town yeah. or dead. Uh, so I will say, come to twelve mile for Endymion. It's fun. It was really chill last year. It wasn't like super crazy as it has been years in the past. Like, yeah, we we, 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 we used to do. Yeah, we used to do a block party, but now there's a house in the lot across the street <laughs> that we used to take over. Um, but so now it's just you know come by. Um, but yeah, and, but we, it is the second Saturday of the month, so we will have our, our heat wave DJ Boom. to close things out. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So Endymion, uh, here at 12 Mile, that's probably going to be my big hurrah. And I don't have any plans. I was kind of thinking about going back up to Birmingham on that Sunday and coming back on, uh, Lundy Groth. That was a lot of fun with, uh, I got a lot of cats from there to a 12 hour trip down here. They just come out on the train, spend 12 hours in New Orleans, and then head back to Birmingham. Yeah. So that's, it's really dope. I mean, it's an easy train ride. Yeah. Well, and, and Mardi Gras is a lot of work. Mardi Gras season is a lot of work, and when when uh, when Ash Wednesday finally comes, it's it's always a relief to me, mm-hmm. you know. And I think I think if you if it's not if you're not like, oh, you know, if there's, there's a- not a big sigh of relief at the end of Mardi Gras, <laughs> then you probably didn't have much, enough fun on Mardi during mm-hmm. over the season. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. Well, let's just leave it at there. Uh, I'm gonna have uh, our, our our friend. On drums on this track, we're going to play us out with the world's most dangerous museum from Roy Danger and the Danger Dangers' debut album, The Age of Exploration. Things that other places strictly prohibit are featured in our latest exhibit. We've got hand grenades and bombs, tell your dads and tell your moms. High bomb class is guaranteed to rivet. It's where the world's most dangerous museum. We're open every day from nine to five. Lock up serial killers, hell we free them. That the world's most dangerous museum. We've got vials of the plague for inspection. And examples of the world's worst infections. Alrighty, y'all. We're back here on around with Stephen Cole. We're jumping behind a bar, but not the bar 12-mile limit. We're here at Bakery Bar with our good friend Jeff Schwartz. Want to say hi to everybody, Jeff? Oh, hello, everyone. Also, T. Cole Newton's here. Hey, I'm still here. I'm just not making a drink, and neither is Steve. Jeff's going to do that today. Righteous. Let's just jump on into it. Jeff, what you got for us today? All right. I got for y'all a cold brew martini. Uh, This is basically just a little bit of adaptation from an espresso martini. Uh, Basically, it's also something you could do at home for those of you who don't have an espresso machine at home. Uh, So we're starting out with an ounce and a half of vodka. You could use a wonderful brand like Seagram's or Crystal Head. Indeed. Uh, Those are in the portfolio of our benevolent benefactors over at Infidium Spirits, of course. 
Uh, we also do an ounce and a half of cold brew coffee. Uh, we use French truck that their concentrate is commercially available in grocery stores near you if you live in New Orleans. Do you dilute it or do you use the concentrate? Uh, so we brew ours ourselves in the toddy, so I'm not sure exactly uh, how you would do it with a concentrate, but this could also be trial and error if you were to do it at home. Um, so it's not the concentrate. I guess I would I guess I guess would dilute the concentrate if I was using that. I like that about espresso martinis, too. You kind of make it to the strength of how you like your coffee, right? Yeah, you can make it as strong or as weak as you want. Uh, and then we add a half ounce of chicory syrup. Uh, so this one, I suppose, might be a little tricksy at home. But uh, basically, we make a coffee with chicory and then um, just add sugar and make that, that chicory coffee into a syrup. There is a chicory coffee liqueur. Have you tried it with that for the, the hoodoo chicory liqueur that uh, Cathead makes? Uh, I have not. I would anticipate that uh, you would still want to add some sugar be- uh, just because of textual reasons. And the, the hoodoo has its own alcohol content. So just to avoid making that drink too alcoholic. Okay. Um, so uh, what we do is that we kind of treat this like an egg white drink. Uh, and we do, I suppose, what could be recalled a a reverse dry shake. So we shake it with ice and then we shake it without ice. The idea being that we're uh, agitating it and creating a lot of that uh, coffee crema. So uh, the finished version of this drink is going to have like that layer of foam on top, just like an espresso shot. All right. Shaking it up. Shaking it up. And neither of us is shaking. Yeah. We, got some, we, should, we should just have Jeff do this every week. This would be great. Sounds great. Jeff, you want to be our shaker boy? I've had worse job offers. <laughs> So, yeah, we shook that with ice, and then we're going to strain the drink out and get that ice out of our shaker, and then we're going to give it another shake. I like to, you can be very dramatic and pour a big, long ribbon into there. We promise you it's very long. It's, it's very dramatic, too. Uh, all right, so you, you're pouring it into the top half of the shaker, the, right. of, the, of, the, of the set. The ice is being dumped into a n- neutral vessel, and then that shaker half is coming back into the set. Yeah, and so the advantage of uh, doing the ice first and then without ice is that your shakers are real cold and they'll stick together a little bit better. We've actually talked about that doing when you did the flip, that it's really hard to keep a shaker set together when you're doing a, uh, doing a dry... Is there an ice cube in there still? One, One rogue ice cube. Uh, well, it'll just help uh, knock things around. But yeah, it's hard to keep a, a shaker set together without ice because it doesn't constri- contract. And so then we just pour that right into our coop, uh, or you could do it into any old glass that you like. Uh, and it's, uh, Man, our listeners so cannot see, but you can see it's, that that's got like a lot of crema yeah, on there's there. A, there's a lot of foam on that drink, more yeah. than I would have expected for something without any dairy or any egg or any other adjunct. I guess the coffee yeah. alone. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> so. And then, you know, it'll, the it can die down pretty fast. And then, so there's still some more left over. And, and uh, we throw some coffee beans on top. And it's uh, really neat and a great uh, substitute for an espresso martini. Awesome. All right. Looks cool. great. Cold Brew Martini by, by Jeff Schwartz. Is that a Jeff Schwartz original? You know it. All right. Well, let's bring that back over to our impromptu recording studio and get on with part two.
way tonight We choose to fall and not to fight Abandoning the dreams we know Forgotten places we call All right, welcome back, everybody. We're here for part two of our Mardi Gras episode of Around with Stephen Cole. That was uh, Johnny Sketch and the Dirty Notes from their latest album, the 2017 release Sketch. It is the track View Carib featuring our guest from part one, Andre Boren on drums. Uh, he's not here right now. We're doing part two now. We have, <laughs> we have new guests. Locations. <laughs> what is a strange bar? Where are we right now? We are not in twelve mile limit. That the the opening is no longer accurate. <laughs> Steve, you want to tell people where we are and introduce our guests? Right on. We are in a. We are in the former Italian restaurant that used to be known as Eleven Seventy Nine. If I'm not mistaken, uh, there was a lot of blood, sweat, and tears put into uh, renovating this place, fixing it up, and turning it into its current iteration, which is Bakery Bar. If y'all have not been to uh, this establishment, it's a fantastic venue that uh, has a full kitchen. They do an excellent brunch as well as uh, small bites and you know nice offerings. Uh, one of their main features is their delicious dobage cake that comes from Debbie Dobage. Debbie does Debbie does dobage. Debbie Dobaj, wow. Debbie Dobaj. Nailing it. All righty. And um, (laughs) to expound upon that a little bit more, we have two of the gentlemen who are behind this project here to join us on our second part of our show. So why don't we go ahead and start with this guy. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, it's me. I'm Jeff. Jeff Schwartz. Hey, Jeff Schwartz. Why don't you tell people what you do here at Bakery Bar? Uh, Well, I'm the general manager, uh, but I mostly feel... Uh, I just I just keep the doors open and the lights on and just uh make the wheels turn. Jeff has promised that he's going to swear a lot on this show, so I think we're really earning that explicit rating. So. Farts, <laughs> nailed it. And I'm Charles Mary. I'm co-owner of Debbie Does Dobage and Bakery Bar. I'm an honorary gopher between the bakery and the bar, mostly running cakes back and forth. Um, and just kind of help out, do what I'm told to do. Uh, we are both very amateur plumbers. Um, <laughs> I think anyone who's ever run a bar is an amateur plumber. Yeah, you dabble a little in electricity and other things like that. I try to avoid the electrical. I feel like that's just a bit above. <laughs> I don't want. I don't want to die. That's how you burn your yeah. business down. <laughs> that's. Uh, it's funny. Right now, I think it's probably like. 60 70 degrees outside but uh last week in new orleans we had a devastating freeze a freeze for all time in new orleans and uh about i don't know 50 percent of everybody's plumbing exploded so. yeah how'd y'all fare we did pretty well the bar was great a uh, little bit of a freeze over by the bakery but that thawed out with some sunshine went just smooth uh no major problems no bus pipes or anything like that i was commenting to somebody uh, earlier how we laughed at atlanta uh, for the I, was, I didn't. Let it this might be your fault. I didn't I, laugh. At I Atlanta. laughed pretty hard at Atlanta. Into snow, and they shut everything down. We didn't even have snow. We just had ice on the roads, and we had to close everything for yeah. like t- three days. Three days <laughs> solid. We were like, closed. Yeah. School, they were like even today. Like it's Monday after the freeze. It's like seventy degrees and sunny outside. And there was talk about like ah, maybe not all the public schools are going to be open today. Mm-hmm. It's like, and I get it too. I mean, there's a lot of infrastructure damage that happened, and mm-hmm. you know repairs need to happen. But it's a good glimpse into what it's like. Living in New Orleans, you just got to roll with the punches. Yeah, you never know what's going to happen. I don't know how 
familiar other parts of the country are with water pressure and things like that. But New Orleanians definitely know all about the sewage and water board and water <laughs> pressure and how important it is to maintaining our regular flow of business. You mm. got to know what you hate. I have a friend of a friend at the city and somebody was complaining about how, oh, this never happened. We never got these warnings about how we should have a boil advisory because the pressure dropped and the main lines um, before the storm that never happened. It never happened. And he was just like, well, the pressure dropped all the time. He just didn't tell anyone about it before the storm. <laughs> so progress. <laughs> right, right, Anywho, uh, this is a fantastic I- inaugural Mardi Gras episode. So we want to try and stay on topic as much as possible, which is going to be difficult um, to go on a tangent as well. Uh, there is a lot of history at this table right now. I think probably between you three more than myself personally. <laughs> uh, do you want to you talk about that a little bit, Cole? Uh, sure. Just uh, give the short version. Uh, I've known both of these gentlemen for quite some time. We both worked together uh charles you and i have worked together almost as long as i've been in the service industry you were at commanders when i was a bartender there we worked together at coquette you came on as a bar back and then worked your way up to bartender at 12 mile limit in the early days over there jeff uh we also worked together at most of those places you uh-huh. should probably just go get a job at commanders just to round it out um go now <laughs> yeah. apply nah. Nah. it's a great education uh, <laughs> it's a fun place to work it's a fun place to work in a lot of ways people. yeah were, I, I, I regret nothing um, but Jeff was, he came on as a, what is a food runner at Coquette because he had That's no service right. industry experience at the time and then worked his way up to head bartender there a few, a few years after I had left and then came over, was the general manager at 12 mile limit before he got poached by Chuck to come be a managing partner here at bakery bar. Sorry, not sorry. I understand. <laughs> it was a bit of, and I, I'm still getting over it. Um, uh, we, we tried for a while to, to open a place together, the three of us plus, uh, Chris Shortall when he was the chef at, uh, at 12 Mile Limit. And it never materialized for a variety of reasons. And by the time this came around, you guys were both so qualified and competent that it didn't make sense to bring in an established, sort of bar owner to round out the team. You guys rounded out the team on your own. You're too expensive, Cole. I know. I priced myself. I've been doing consulting at that time. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah you don't need that guy anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was, it was when Bakery Bar opened, it was equal parts like proud dad and jilted lover yeah. sort of at the Aww. same time. Um, but you guys are killing it over here. It's triggering great. you being in this bar right now. Do we need to move the podcast? So triggering. Oh, goodness. Uh, there are times when I come in and I recognize like a, a dozen people who would on like in the before times might have been at 12 mile on a given night. It's like, ah. They all moved up down. They're not coming back to 12 mile. <laughs> they only wanted you for the cake. Yeah. They're only, we, we, I should know, we still sell proudly and forever. Uh, as long as you're willing to, to, to keep us in stock, we still sell Debbie Does Dobosh sweets at 12 mile limit and, and intend to do so. And I mean, it's probably a little, probably a little early to, to start counting this chicken, but I'm trying to open up a place over on St. Claude now. So everything's sort of all's well that ends well, you know? Absolutely. We'll bring cake to 12 mile anytime that we can. And all right. And we'll, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you Claude. about the new spot too, maybe. We'll right. some cookies I'm very over excited. There. <laughs> Coolio. So let's just go and jump in this. I think, um, we would be bereft if we did not go over what exactly is Debbie Does Dobosh. Would you want to go? and start with that chuck debbie does dobage is the newest uh bakery on the scene to make dobage cake dobage has for a long time been new orleans birthday cake it was offered uh started by buell ledner in the 30s uh it was adapted from dobo tort which was an eastern european style cake uh layers of cake and buttercream in europe uh she took it and she put custard or pudding in between the layers instead of buttercream to make Mm. it lighter to fit better with the hot and humid temperatures here in new orleans uh it's finished with a poured icing on top a poured fondant instead of a rolled fondant because she threw a bunch of sugar into it humans happen to be addicted to sugar so we happen (laughs) to love that down here there's plenty of sugar in new orleans being so close to the sugar cane um 
and it went on for a long time. Uh, Gambino's took it over from Beulah and, and has been running with it, and they're going strong still to this day. Haydell's, Maurice's are two of the other big houses in town that make Dobage cake. But it was only offered in chocolate, lemon, and caramel. Charlotte McGee started Debbie Does Dobage. She is uh, the founder of Debbie Does Dobage, and she started making all of these wonderful different flavors, s'more, um, salted caramel, uh, what else, peanut butter cup. She had a Sazerac flavor for a while. It was Sazerac. pretty solid. Snickerdoodle. I remember oh, right before so Bakery Bar opened up, um, uh, Jeff offered for me to come in here for my birthday, and y'all made a specific Mexican hot chocolate like yes. like cake that was spicy and chocolatey and delicious, and I think I ate half of it, and we played board games and really, really good times. Some <laughs> of the ones that we love the most are just ones that don't sell, and yeah. that's, that's <laughs> tough. And, and we've been learning recently that people buy with their eyes. Anything yeah. that they can p- take a picture of in Instagram, that's oh, yeah, like yeah. what yeah. they flock to. The rainbow one. Rainbow, Funfetti, and the King Cake uh, has been super popular. The colored sugar on top, the cinnamon in, in between, and King Cake itself, people love it. It is just an awesome thing, and has Righteous. been for centuries. That's, so, let's talk about the phenomenon right now. We'll throw it over to Jeff right now because he just has great cake stories of cake war stories almost at this point. Uh, so let's talk about uh, you guys have been open now for a year. Last year, I oh, think was two a, years now, yeah, two years, just about. Oh goodness, where does time go? <laughs> two years now. I feel last year was this explosion though of cake rage, as I think you like to call it. That is the exact phrase I use: is cake rage. Um, uh, basically. We, we got very popular very suddenly via the Facebook. Um, it turns out you cannot control whether or not something goes viral. Um, <laughs> I think that's why they call it viral, but no. Yeah. Uh, so in short, uh, a million people found out that we make King Cake Dobash here uh, all, within a week. And it turns out we can't make a million cakes. Um, so it very suddenly yes. turned into... Not going to say a problem, but an interesting challenge. That's the good kind of problem. Yes, uh, crisis opportunity, whatever you know, words. <laughs> um, so it, it very, very quickly turned into you know we have to make we have to set the rules about this cake. Otherwise, we're going to get run over, and people start being sort of bad faith actors, where they're you know like I want to buy all of your cakes. And uh, that makes one person very happy and 20 people very unhappy. So we started basically playing, you know, cake Nazi, you know. <laughs> uh, so we had to make all of these rules and just, like, pare back everything. And uh, it it was just, you know, Mardi Gras season was so long last year. It's like yeah. eight, ten weeks. And it, it was like eight to ten weeks of just a brawl. Uh, I had We had people setting up on our stoop hour two hour two and a half like before we opened before i got here um we heard all sorts of sob stories about i drove three hours to come and get this cake and it, it chuck's just over here laughing if you can't yeah. tell yeah well when somebody tells you it's their dying wish to have <laughs> a king cake you just have to roll i mean you want to roll your eyes but it's the rude thing to do in the service but it's industry. bizarre too though because it's just like the idea of, of showing up because you guys take online orders as well correct we do take online orders but because of the demand we cut off the king cake oh. flavor 
before King Cake before King's Day. Uh, at midnight on January fifth, we stopped taking oh, orders wow. for that flavor. So I you didn't can order that. any other flavor that you want, and they're all wonderful. But the King Cake flavor, we do have to put a little. I mean, uh, you could take a little cinnamon on. and like put some cinnamon on there, and then just like some yeah. gold, purple, and green like sprinkles as well. Chocolate cheesecake and throw some cinnamon you on it. it. It's Done. Delicious. I got my own King Cake. <laughs> now you got a Zulu. You're good to go. Throw coconut in between Ooh, the, the chocolate layers. Yeah, the layers. Zulu King Cake was Zulu real King good. Was great. It's got coconut and. What coconut uh, and chocolate? Cho- uh, we use a devil's food chocolate cake and coconut pudding in between, mm. and it, it it is delicious. Uh, cream cheese icing on the outside, and we'll decorate it like a king cake. It's wonderful. Yeah. I got a I got a pro tip. Back when uh, they, we used to be able to get king cake, the full size king cake slices at twelve mile limit. They're a little bit high demand now after the the massacre last year, so we don't tend to get those amongst our selections at twelve mile. We do occasionally, uh, but I used to like taking a slice of the regular king cake dobage and then using it and eating it like a dip. Because the inside is all very like gooey. And so I would take a bag of Zaps Cajun Crawtator flavored chips and, and eat the cake with the chips <laughs> as a dip. And it was perhaps the most New Orleans thing you can eat. If you were drinking a Sazerac, I would say like, you're honoring <laughs> that New is Orleans. Not a pro instantly. tip. That is, that is a disclaimer. <laughs> Children at home, please do not attempt. Do it. <laughs> Everyone should do it. It's I amazing. I can feel my blood sugar levels rising. Yeah, your blood will thicken. I like that I'm the fat kid at the table. Here too, just like, I'm not here eating cake with chips. You, you may be currently the heaviest person at this table, but you also lost the most weight in the last year. Suck so it. your trajectory is definitely in the positive I had direction. more to lose. <laughs> I stopped eating king cake, unfortunately. Yeah. But let's talk about king cake a little bit more broadly. Then we can talk about other Mardi Gras stuff. We can also talk about bakery bar stuff. Whatever the conversation goes, you know, we yeah, keep it freewheeling. So, what do you why a king cake i mean we talk we talked a little of the history of king cake there's the oh i don't know here's a fun king cake fact it was not originally a baby it was originally a bean and then there was a surplus of ceramic babies that some company that was going out of business had so the bakery bought all of these babies and now it's a baby but people it's not like a king it's not like a baby jesus or anything like that that was just mm-hmm. weird luck it was originally very much like the king bean like if you if you read jitterbrook perfume or you, any of the old sort of like they're like, king for a day, the king gets the bean, and then he's king, and then they kill him. And then it's sort of this topsy-turvy way to un- upend social norms to keep people in line the rest of the year. Absolutely. And I think that uh, it's a different trinket in whatever part of the country that you're in, or whatever country you're in, even in Europe. They don't necessarily use beans. Some of them use uh, the popular movie for the year or an icon from that. Uh, and every bakery in, uh, has some their own different trin- uh, trinket. They become collectibles across the country. or You can buy the trinket separate from the cake itself. Um, there was porcelain babies was the surplus, and they switched over to plastic recently here in the States, down in New Orleans at least. Does anywhere else in the States make king cake? Is I that a thing that people do? don't know. I know you can get it shipped anywhere that you want it to be shipped sure but that's mostly probably for yeah usually when i when i talk, try to talk king cake with people who haven't spent significant time down here during mardi gras season it seems to go pretty flat it's like what is this like i was just telling these guys a story when i went to san antonio and i brought a king cake with me uh to this bar conference like it was looked at like this vile horrible overly sweet like i'm definitely not gonna eat that neon greenish kind of thing and it's yeah. just like guys this is a this is a randazzles 
kinking. I had to like <laughs> go to Metairie to pick this up. I mean, it's I, I love you people. I'm trying to show you that we did. Kink. They stamp your passport when you went to Metairie. <laughs> What, uh, what we don't take passports <laughs> what defines a king cake because uh, originally it was probably brioche at least here um now a lot of places make it with with danish dough uh, what what defines a king cake though what is what, I would what almost feature say that the cinnamon is the mm. key thing that translates between all of the king cakes because uh when you think of king cake here in new orleans you think of this round twisted dough that's Almost brioche, almost Danish, uh, with plenty of cinnamon in it, sugar on it in some form, whether it's a glaze or a, um, a dry sugar that's been saturated with color at this point. Uh, but in northern France, they do them in sheets. In southern France, they're rings with fruit on top and filling in between. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah. I mean, I was super jealous of all these things that I was looking up the other day. <laughs> but uh, Did you do homework for this episode? I did a little bit of homework. I brought some notes <laughs> with me. I've got, I've got some cheat sheets here. You are well, the best boy. Well, you know, I'm allergic to it, so I didn't do much homework or memorize it. So I'd end up having to read if I was going to tell you all anything of importance. But, uh, you know, we're in the tricentennial of New Orleans and king cake when I think of it I, I only think of the thing that I grew up with which is the native New Orleanian king what, cake. what was your family's king cake when you were a kid Mackenzie's Mackenzie's oh, was yeah. it and it's it's so sad that it's not necessarily around anymore there are very similar things tasty donuts I think yeah. might still have some of the Mackenzie's recipes they uh. do a donut that's extremely similar to what Mackenzie's was making Mackenzie's was around in I think 1939 and lasted till two 2000 they tried to revive it a year later but it just didn't take off yeah i was uh i came down right after that and uh i would you know i was going to Tulane, so i was uptown a whole bunch in creole creameries right there and they still have the old mckenzie sign above their uh place and then like you know that's one of those lost new orleans things you hear people whisper out all the time and it's also yeah. kind of a benchmark for king cake when people are like oh it's a mckenzie's king cake and yeah. just like and it, of course having no point of reference i can't say well it's good i mean i just I don't really know <laughs> is is it good it's like it's, like, it's just not McKenzie's. <laughs> Jeff, what's your favorite? Other than bakery bar, obviously. Ooh, rough. I mean, honestly, uh, here, I'm gonna I'm gonna zoom out. Here's my big hot take. Um, what makes king cake is the culture around it. So for me, the ideal king cake is like maybe Sunday morning before Bacchus, having some stale king cake with mm. a cup of coffee. <laughs> yeah. And like maybe there's some cold Popeyes around somewhere that you find <laughs> it got left out, but you're not too proud for that. Like, uh, so yes, yeah, it tastes better that way, right? <laughs> um, so yeah, honestly, I think uh, the what what makes king cake is the culture around it. So yeah, when you bring some to San Antonio and you're like, guys, I'm sharing this great thing with you, you don't get the baby, and they're just like, what is this bullshit? Why is Steve trying to <laughs> feed us this? giant donut this is weird and i don't want it and it's, and it's because you know it, it's about all of the stuff we build around it and the the memories and you know things like that so do you think recently and it's one of those things where with social media and with just the way that our culture is and the way that people kind of fetishize things it seems like king cake has blown up maybe in the last couple of years it doesn't seem like like when i first got here up until the storm after katrina all that stuff it's just like you got king cakes but people didn't like 
seemed super opinionated about their king cakes. It was just kind of like, yeah, this we're was just nice going to Rouse's to pick up a king exactly. cake. Exactly. Right. Like, I'm going to pick Which, up a king cake. And I like a Rouse's king cake. And every now and then it's like, oh, I got a nicer king cake. But now it's like people are waiting in line and camping out at places. Or I, like, oh, I, yeah, I, I met somebody the other day and there's like, my friend makes it a goal to eat 50 different types of king cake every single year. I'm just like, I can't it's name insane. 50 different types of king cake. And I know for a fact there aren't 50 great king cakes out there as well because of course not. You guys yeah. remember uh, there was this one that came out. It was like, uh, I think there were a couple that came out. That was like a boudin stuffed king cake. That thing was the most disgusting thing I've ever eaten. <laughs> before. The, it was uh, so bad. The station over on Bienville, I haven't tried it yet, but they have a crawfish king cake that looks really good, to be honest. I mean, it's, it's basically crawfish bread. Yeah. Crawfish works in just about anything. Yeah, that's fair. The king cake burger that was coming out of one of those food trucks, like our oh, Mardi yeah. Gras. I yeah, I denounced that in the strongest possible yeah. terms. <laughs> I, I got one. I got one last last Mardi Gras, and like it got like a lot of hype. And then I got it, and it was just like kind of like you know a regular king cake. Maybe it's a brioche bun with icing and sugar on top of it. But then like a Cisco burger, like that was just on there. <laughs> so there was. It wasn't. I mean, like, I get it. You got to keep up with your demand and everything. Problem. It was more just a, just like they just didn't deliver on. I don't. The, I don't think burger. it was the original either. I think there was some food truck that was doing it up like mm. really good, and then there's like a lot of imitators, which is a big problem with like king cake as well too. Like when people pick up something like a boudin stuff king cake or a dobage king cake, like you guys are doing, like all of a sudden it starts springing up like all these like I've, we we have know. been making dobage king cake for a long time now, and only once our uh, post went viral uh, and people started learning about it. We started seeing it pop up in other places. Oh, Ross's yeah. now does do a Dobaj King cake, and a couple other places have picked it up, um, which is a great thing and a bad thing. You know, it's great that people can get a Dobaj King cake outside a house if they can't get it here. And also, when they come back later on and they get to actually try the original, they realize how much better it is. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I think for me, I mean, I've, I've been here. 10, 11 years now. It's not like I have a deep roots here, but it did seem like when I first came down here, it was just like, whatever, pick up a king cake on the way. Nothing. Nobody was doing really special, we- weird king cakes. Mm-hmm. And then I think Cake Cafe out in the Bywater, oh, yeah. they did like that goat cheese apple king cake, yes. which is really delicious. good. I really like it. They're <laughs> still making really it. Full, fully endorsed. And then cafe. after that, like every bakery was like, all of a sudden, it's like, you got a bakery, you got to have a weird yeah. king cake. And that's so the rule. Kelly Fields was doing big things at uh, Dominica at the time, I think, or whomever was the pastry chef at Dominica. And now she she runs um, uh, Willie Jean. Willie Jean, thank you. And I think they're still. I just saw a video, like it was probably like a Vice video or something like that, that was talking about you know the, the her process of making king cake. So well, I don't know. And I think uh, you know Chuck was talking about people eating with their eyes. I think people eat with their Instagrams now. Mm. Like you know, you know, you see an interesting king cake online you, through whatever feed you might be using, and people say. I need to have that. I mean, I see it in the bar all the time where sometimes people will just take their phone and point it at me and say, I want this. I want this picture. I want to consume it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think that's part of what's going on here. I think what I, it just occurred to me that one of my problems with the Instagram culture around food and cocktails and, and all things in the, in the service industry is that the food and drinks are the culinary arts generally are, are sort of defined by being an art form that you have to destroy to appreciate that that's can, deep right <laughs> <laughs> it was like that and those those like uh those buddhist sand drawings that are designed to be swept aside by the wind exactly the same this thing. Is that, yeah but exactly. you can't really like so the idea of creating this permanent record that it sort of undermines what's great about food and drinks which is the in, 
impermanence of them. Yeah. That might be what leads to all these different king cakes, too, is that once you destroy it, you get to try something new. You get to change the right. recipe a little bit and, and branch out. But to go back to what Jeff was saying as well, it's like, you know, the, this whole Instagram culture when you're looking at, like, hey, like, doesn't this look really great? Like, food can't be judged on the way it looks, like, at all. Like, not exclusively. Not I mean, we all taste first at. with our eyes, so it makes we, sense. We do, but... which is one of the senses when it comes down to it. But how much does experience play into how great something is? Like you're saying, like, Mardi Gras Day, just put on your costume, maybe drunk from the night before, went to go see Galactica Tipitinas. That slice of king cake that's going to get you through and be your, like, you know, your intake for the day, how great is that going to be in comparison to, I got this picture pristine freeze-dried king cake shipped to me someplace else? Like, I think... Like when people, you know, every now and then it's like when, when people latch onto something and they talk about how great it is, there's inevitably, inevitably the people who come back and just say, I just don't understand it. I don't get what the big deal is. Like the, the, the people who, you know, they're the social media naysayers who have to just look at the thing and be like, it's not that great. It's like, yeah. It's used it, to dining out in New Orleans. Um, you make memories with the people that you're with. It's right. something that we were taught at Commander's Palace. Yeah, it's, it's making dining memories. Yeah, people mm. people that you're around, you you have a great interaction, you have a great conversation with those people, and it might not necessarily be the food. The food helps a lot, but it's that it's that connection that you make, um, which ties into King Cake and Mardi Gras. It's all about the people that you spend those times with. Crawfish boils. It's it's family and friends that you get together with and get to share these awesome foods and right awesome on. treats with. Yeah, I would rather eat a plain Rouse's king cake with friends than a delicious tartine king cake alone. You're, you're, no, you're going to get one and but eat what? by yourself. <laughs> I, I have been eating a lot of delicious tartine king cake alone, and I enjoy that too. We're going to pick up a, a dong fong and you're going to eat it by yourself. <laughs> Just alone listening to, I don't know, Morrissey eating king cake. <laughs> is it, is it vegan so king cake though? No, oh. no, 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 no. It's it's murder king cake. <laughs> murder cakes. Um, oh, one other point just jumped into my head. Uh, so, how many times? I know you guys. We're all been in the service industry long enough. How many times do you get people from out of town who are like, "Where's the best place I can get gumbo? Where's the best place I can get jambalaya?" What's your answer for that? Oh man, the it's your, your like, mom's house, your friend's yeah, house, right? The answer yeah, is your, your mom's, mom's house. Best, right? King cake is like. The one thing it's just like I don't. It, that's the place yeah. Mom where you doesn't make king it. cake. You can yeah. pick up the king cake. It's like one of those New Orleans culinary things that is, is specifically go out and purchase. It's like I can purchase this thing and have this New Orleans delicacy that is not some like mystified. I'll never have the greatest version. It's of not it. like a six-hour process. That yeah, is just passed down from generation. Exactly. Like, no, like, we leave that one to the pros. It's like everybody will say <laughs> yeah. the best king. No, I've never heard somebody say my mom makes the best king cake. It's like it's that's, like that's no, 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 no. It's like they'll always have the bakery that they think makes the best king cake. Which apparently, increasingly, people have been giving Dong Fong props for their king cake. I haven't had it yet. All, I don't think any of us at the table so, have had it yet, but. I, oh, you have. I drive out to Tongfong every year and get a game. Not this year. I'm, oh, he's not, he's not on that sugar sugar no, train but, anymore. Uh, I, I any any support they go to Dongfong. Um, great community anchor. Well, they just sure. won a James Beard Award Lay for, for lifetime your legacy. That's the one. It's yep. not like lifetime. If you want to drive out there and just bring us a king cake, that is <laughs> literally they have it at Highvolt. <laughs> this is a quarter mile away. That is, you can walk to Highvolt from here. Awesome coffee shot. Full king cakes. All right, but Tart- is it fresh? I gotta so props, props to Dong Fong. Everyone, every, everyone loves the Dong Fong. Who's had it? The it's three of the four re- people great here restaurant have it. too. Outside um, of the king cake season, and then I, I've, I've talked it up already a little bit. The tartine king cake. What are some other favorite? And the, and the Rouse's classic Rouse's cream cheese. You can't do that. Oh, and in La Louisiana, you can get them at Robert's or Sam's Club. Those are pretty solid. They have a nice praline. Uh, what are some other favorites? 
uh, the, the, the classics that are still available that people might be able to try. I think a fresh Gambino's one is. They ship yeah. out a lot of theirs, yeah, but if you yeah. pick one up from the bakery, like everything that Gambino's does is so much better at the bakery, especially the cookies. I don't know what it is, but like their cookies are fantastic at Gambino's. Yeah. Um, the cakes sometimes, like uh, I, I've been to like, like I think CC's or PJ's or one of the local coffee shops sells them, and they don't store them the right way, so like the icing, and then they start to like, can like condensation starts happening and it gets runny and like it's just not 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 an ideal situation. There but, is a reason they've been around eighty years. Yeah, like, mm. just go out, yeah. go make the trip. Like if it's if you want the good stuff, you got to go and travel and get it. Yeah, Jeff. For, for me, it's just mandatory. It's got to have cream cheese in it. Yeah, like, anything with cream cheese. Otherwise, it's just weird sugary bread. Um, <laughs> you heard it here, folks. Here first, folks. The tartine one has a cinnamon cream cheese swirl. It's, mm. It's good. Yeah, I really like I'm, this tartine. One. I will. It's the only king cake that I find it hard not to eat more of. Okay. Like I'll have a slice of king cake, be polite, and then move on and eat other things. The tartine king cake, I really just want to keep eating. Hmm. Yeah, king cake on the counter is a dangerous thing. Yeah, yeah. we always have one throughout the season. There's yeah. always a king cake on the counter in our house. I can't do it. I'll make myself sick. <laughs> <laughs> what's your What's your favorite? Favorite? Oh man, Still I, honestly, Rouse's is definitely my favorite. I'll, I'll go just get regular king cake. Mm-hmm. I do like it. I like it fresh. Throw a little slice in the microwave, soften it mm-hmm. up a touch. It's awesome stuff. I just love the convenience. I mean, like yeah. you know, for as many king cakes as they produce, it's it's widely available, and you're almost always going to find the flavor you want. Yeah. Sometimes the cream cheese is a little bit hard to find. That's kind of the yeah, because it's the best. <laughs> oh, flip side of that, let's let's just talk about Rouse's king cakes. What's the worst flavor? I got a chocolate cream one that once that was yeah. objectively bad. I had a strawberry cream cheese one, which I thought was going to be better than it was, and it definitely wasn't. Huh. Apple's always a loser, too, I think. I don't get why there's apple. <laughs> just like, don't try to make this healthy on me. It's too late. Yeah. <laughs> it's too late. I bought a king cake. Like, this is set. <laughs> bought an apple cream uh, Apple. No, um, not happening. Okay. Let's see. Uh, let's talk about non-king cake Mardi Gras stuff. Chuck, what you got this year? Non-king cakes stuff. Uh, I've got a parade coming up with a ball and a tableau and a supper dance to attend, which is really exciting. Which That's uh, that old Mardi Gras stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Babylon is what I'll be attending this year. How many generations back did your family go in this town? Uh, we go back five generations. Okay. Five or six, somewhere in there. Yeah, um, my great-grandfather was a part of the founding members of Babylon, which was an offshoot from Hermes. Mm. I learned today that it was because one of the three brothers that founded Hermes the year after they started got drunk at their ball, um, got in a fight. One of the brothers wanted to kick him out. One of the brothers did not want to kick him out. And uh, the one that did not, he and the drunk, Went off to form Babylon. They kept a lot of the tradition that like fighting started at the, with <laughs> fighting at all. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that, there's that, always a fight. We, yeah, you know the thing is, we get it. You're drinking. It's Mardi Gras. Yeah, forgive and forget. Move on. Uh, try not to do it again, nah. please. No drinking on the floats. Uh, try to really? keep the traditions. Yeah, it's, it's is a there must. is there no it's drinking on the floats at all anymore? It really should be a strict rule not mm. to drink on floats. Riding on a float can be a dangerous thing. We were talking about the, on the mm-hmm. first half of the episode my one experience riding on a float, and I was like blackout drunk. And sure. If it wasn't for the rope keeping me on, I would have died. And you'd think that that rope is super safe, but it's really not bolted in with much. And those floats <laughs> are practically <laughs> made of paper mache. Yeah. Jeff, what do you got? You're going to do a crew de vous next week. You're in the. You, the I, I talked in early in the first half of the episode about how I like doing security for for our sub crew. You're actually in that crew. It's so fun, guys. <laughs> um, so for those of you who don't know, crew de vous is. Uh, so it, let's see here. Crudevu started in 1987. Um, it's uh, it was sort of a sort of 
solidifying and going legit of some weird Mardi Gras business called Crew of Clones. Uh, so Crew de Vue is just a little bit over 30 years old now. Uh, I am in Crew de Vue. It's divided into little sub-crews that each uh, kind of run their own house. Um, but basically, Crew de Vue is a uh, raunchy, satirical, tiny parade with mule-drawn floats that goes through the French Quarter. So it's uh, incredibly unique, uh, even to Mardi Gras. There's no real... Um, there's no real, uh, there's, there's no one else does that anymore. Most of the, most of the parades don't go into the French quarter. Um, and we build our own floats. We make our own costumes, the, the, the whole shebang. Uh, and it's super awesome. Bring the kids, right? Um, I mean, it how, depends. Do, how do your kids feel about genitals? <laughs> yes. Uh, so I'll, I'll put it this way. Uh, my very first Mardi Gras in New Orleans, which would have been 2004, uh, I, the, you know, Crudevu was the first parade I went to because it's, it's pretty early the on the big calendar. One of the season, yeah, yeah, it's the first big one of the season. Uh, I got down there. I was maybe like a little bit, like I kind of missed the start of the parade. So the first float I saw was a gigantic penis, um, ejaculating a light rope into the holy chalice. Uh-huh. Um, and I said, this town is for me. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, I, have always adored Crew de Vue. I'm in it now. It's a great way to feel like a full, just rock star for three hours. You're walking on the street. Everyone is like clawing the air because they just want to touch you. <laughs> it's really awesome. And you guys, uh, the the crew of Inane is the sub crew for which correct. I do security that you're a member of. They've gotten a lot of attention because they typically have one of the, it's a lot of architects and artists uh, that have wound up in this crew. So there's a lot of talent that goes into making the float from year to year. Mm-hmm. Probably the ho- highest profile was the the Super Bowl year, the Bounty Gate, the year of the Bounty Gate, and the New Orleans Super Bowl in the same year. Yes, and so that was uh, New Orleans had a, a grudge with Roger Goodell at the moment, um, and Crudevu is uh, traditionally just has a lot of penises on the float. So we decided to go with a giant vagina eating Roger Goodell. Um, we called it uh, Super Hole XL Vag. Um, is oh, is that uh, was this maybe that was the Super Bowl year that year? The Super Bowl was in New Orleans that yeah, year, and it was yeah. also that was the that was the theme of the parade because they, and everything was a week early because there was a week of Super Bowl festivities in the middle of Mardi Gras season. Yeah, it uh, Crudevu comes early that year. Yeah, uh, that get it, up, yeah, get, nudge, nudge. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was uh, in the New York Times, uh, so <laughs> the August Institution. Uh, so you know, we uh, uh, we we have a lot of fun with it. We spend a lot of time spitballing it. A lot of these conversations go completely sideways, but ultimately, you know, you make giant paper mache genitalia and make it really funny, and it's a lot of fun. All right, cool. We tend to like to leave things with a, a feature we call parting shots. It's very open ended. So anything that you would like our listeners to know about your business or about yourselves, or just a last thought, a parting shot, if you will. Uh, we can, yeah. Uh, so on the spot, Chuck, parting shot. What do you got? Uh, Marty Gras is a time about coming together and being safe. Just be safe out there. Look out for the people next to you. Make sure that you don't overindulge, or if you do overindulge, drink lots of water that day. The next day, like Jeff said, Popeye's fried chicken really helps with recovery. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> um, or a little bit of brunch. Come see us a week later after we get back open because we're definitely going to overindulge ourselves and then recover for a minute or two. All right, just. Uh, parting shot. Uh, 
Mardi Gras is what you make it. Like, if you want to have cute, fun time with your kids, you can do that. If you want to just drink yourself to death on Bourbon Street and fight a police horse, you can do that. Um, or so, you know, find, find your Mardi Gras, y'all. You heard it here. You can fight a police horse. That's a Jeff Schwartz quote. Oh, not recommended. Anyways, <laughs> uh, why don't y'all uh, kick us one more time? Where can we find you at? Where is this fine establishment that we were recording in today? We're at 1179 Annunciation, directly off the Chapatula's exit from I-10. Cool. And open seven days a week? Closed on Mondays. Brunch every day that we're open, Tuesday through Sunday. We open at 11 on the weekdays, 10 a.m. on the weekends, and we're open till midnight every day. Wicked. Y'all heard it here first, last, everything like that about Bakery Bar. Um, line up, get your tents ready, get some king cake to a posh cake before <laughs> you guys, the season you runs guys out. You guys close before the end of the season, though, yeah? Your last couple days you're closed? We're going to do some half days on Thursday, Friday, full day Saturday, because y'all have to deal with Endymion over there at yeah. 12 Mile Limit. And then we're going to do another half day on Sunday. Oh, no, we're no, closed no. We're closed on Sunday. Closed Sunday through Thursday. Nice, yeah. So not only you do the couple of days of recovery on the other end too, right? Nice. Yeah. We have Ash hard. Wednesday and Ash Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. Well, thanks for joining us today. Um, I think that's going to wrap it up here with the round with Stephen Cole. Yeah, I'm happy, Stevie Mata. I'm T. Cole Newton. Happy Mardi Gras, everybody. Happy Mardi Gras. Cheers. Theme music for Around with Stephen Cole is by Derek Freeman. Support for Around with Stephen Cole comes from Infinium Spirits, a family-owned spirits company specializing in the import, sales, and marketing of its distinctive portfolio of brands. Infinium Spirits, igniting brands. Thanks again to everyone for listening. We'll catch you next time. Cheers. Cheers. I can tell by your body, you've always been a hottie.